Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Excited to start a new week and a new year. Hope you had a great holiday season. And I want to especially thank Tom Brand for sitting in for me a few days while I took some time off during the holidays. Tom did a great job. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank him for being uh, with you those uh, days while I was off. And uh, look forward to having Tom on with us uh, throughout the course of the year as well from time to time. Uh, Also, a great way to start the new year. We are welcoming two new affiliates to our AOA family. Very excited to welcome KSCB Talk Radio 1270 in Liberal, Kansas, and also News Radio 102.5 and AM 1240 KICD in Spencer, Iowa. Two great new additions to our AOA family, and great to have all of you with us, and looking forward to talking with listeners in those areas. KSCB, Liberal, Kansas, KICD, Spencer, Iowa, welcome aboard. Great to have you with us. All right, coming up on our program today, we'll talk weather. Some areas got a lot of snow, others still needing moisture. We'll talk with Bryce Anderson, DTM meteorologist. Markets are hot. We'll talk with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist with StoneX. And with the new year, we'll talk uh, taxes and some things you might need to know, be aware of when it comes to taxes. We'll talk with uh, Ag CPA Paul Niefer later in the program. But glad to start things off with Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Hope you had a great holiday season. Well, good morning, Mike, and Happy New Year to you. We did have a great holiday, and uh, I'm excited to learn about your continued growth with adding new stations. Yeah, it is exciting, and uh, we welcome the new stations, and uh, AOA continues to grow, and we uh, we appreciate these stations that uh, carry our programming and allow us to speak to their audiences, and there's so many things to talk about, Sarah, as we start a new year, but I was thinking about this. Uh, if you want to talk the big stories of 2020, it would be COVID, it would be uh, politics, obviously, and also the markets. Well, those three carry right into 2021. We start off talking about those three things right at the top of the list. No, oh, absolutely. You know, those uh, elections do have consequences. And so certainly we're looking at, uh, you know, the new committees that are going to be uh, convening after the 117th Congress convened on Sunday. Um, no big surprises at the top. Nancy Pelosi was reelected as speaker. Um, her margins are a lot tighter, though. Um, she was reelected mm-hmm. on two sixteen two oh nine vote, and Kevin McCarthy will once again lead the Republicans. But uh, it's going to be interesting, I think, for all of your listeners, Mike, to make sure that they follow these new members that are coming in in the 117th Congress. You know, a lot of new members of the Senate Ag Committee, the House Ag Committee, and it's it's very important to get to know these folks and to let them know about what's happening out in farm country. Certainly prices have improved for some of our commodities, but for beef and dairy, not so much. And, you know, it's been such a roller coaster ride on trade. And 
there are just a host of issues that uh, there's an opportunity to inform some of these new members. And, of course, we wait to see what happens with these uh, Senate runoff races in Georgia to determine the balance of power. That'll have a lot uh, to say about uh, the direction of Congress, what uh, gets done, doesn't get done, and which way it's going to go. That will impact agriculture as it will all the country. Absolutely. Those uh, Senate races in Georgia are huge, and that's why it's no surprise you've got both President-elect Biden and President Trump heading down there. Uh, Secretary Purdue, in his private capacity, has been working the state. Uh, of course, he's a former governor in Georgia, and his cousin David Purdue is up for uh, re-election. And so there are uh, very, very high stakes. Uh, the Democrats must win both of those seats to get to 50, and then Vice President Kamala Harris can weigh in on any of the, the ties. And so if the Republicans are successful in winning one or maybe two of those, it will mean that Mitch McConnell, the still speaker, will be controlling, uh, will be the majority leader, will still be controlling uh, the agenda and providing a very big contrast to what Speaker Pelosi may be trying to advance in the House. So very, very high stakes. And I have to say, Mike, over the weekend with the release of that audio transcript of uh, President Trump, uh, a lot of folks are very concerned that Republicans will not come out to vote because they think that for whatever reason the elections have been uh, delegitimized. And so um, whether or not that will have an impact, I don't know. Uh, but certainly uh, there's a lot of mail-in ballots that have already been cast, and it's going to be very, very interesting for us to watch to see what the turnout is in a non-presidential election like this with very high stakes. Sarah, I think it's going to be interesting, and we'll talk a lot about this during the course of this year, um, what direction, what policy changes and policy implementation we see from the Biden administration that they'll be pushing for when it comes to environmental issues, climate issues. I've talked to a number of farmers in different parts of the country. They are watching this closely. They are wondering what's going to be coming at them from a, you know, from a regula- regulation standpoint, uh, what changes might be coming. I think that's going to be a huge story this year for agriculture. We think climate is going to be a very, very big issue, both from the private sector with large companies demanding more and more of their supply chain and also from a governmental standpoint. And that's why if you continue to watch our website, agripulse.com, and then our March summit that we'll be announcing on Wednesday, Mike, gives us an opportunity to really do a deep dive of what practices farmers are already implementing that are part of the climate solution. Will they get credit for that? Will they be regulated or will it be more of a carrot, an incentive-type-based program? Uh, certainly, President-elect Biden has talked about using conservation stewardship program to incentivize farmers. Uh, is there enough money to do that? Um, so there's a lot of different implications that you're going to see playing out on climate, on trade, on just what the new agenda will be for the incoming leadership of our White House. Yep, we'll be watching that closely, covering it uh, here on AOA, and certainly you and your team do such a great job of covering all these uh, issues and keeping us all up to date on the news at uh, AgriPulse. Thanks a lot, Sarah. We look forward to a great 2021. You, uh, Thank you, Mike. It's always a pleasure to work with you. All right, take care. Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse communications again want to thank uh, and welcome our new affiliates to aoa kicd spencer iowa kscb liberal kansas 
Welcome aboard. Glad to have you with us here on AOA. Coming up on the program today, we're going to talk markets with Arlen Suderman. Wow, that's a, that's a hot, hot topic as we go into the new year, the big rally that has continued on. How much longer does it continue? What's ahead? We'll talk with Arlen. And what should we know about taxes here in 2021? We'll talk with Ag CPA Paul Niefer a little bit later on as well. But coming up next, weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Even with the snow in uh, some places, there's still some uh, dry weather concerns as we start off this new year. We'll talk with Bryce about those weather patterns and those weather concerns and, of course, what's happening in South America. We'll find out next right here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Andrew Bailey is the Science and Technology Council with the National Pork Producers Council. Andrew, we know that USDA and the Food and Drug Administration have been locked in a regulatory tug of war, you could say, when it comes to the authority on gene editing in livestock. And the Trump administration has signaled that they have an intention to make that oversight go to USDA. That's good news, isn't it? Definitely. You know, that's good news for, you know, uh, pork producers in this country and really all of animal agriculture you know this is really a, a first step um, in the process of modernizing our uh, regulatory regime that governs uh, gene editing specifically you know modern new gene uh, genetic technologies in livestock and um, it, it's something we definitely welcome we're very supportive of USDA's effort to essentially try and, and bring uh, gene editing and, and these sort of new genetic technologies on the livestock side in line with how they are um, on the crop side For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. 
U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk weather as we kick off 2021. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson with us. Bryce, thanks for joining us. How do we start the year off weather-wise? Conditions are really uh, very quiet, Mike, uh, for this early part of the year, uh, 2021, except in the far northwest. Uh, There's a pretty widespread helping of rain and snow out in Oregon and Washington today, uh, northern California. But over the remainder of the uh, continental U.S., uh, we're just a, a, um, a high-pressure uh, collection uh, in the Rockies and in the Great Lakes, the Ohio Valley. Uh, so there's uh, very little uh, action otherwise. And over the next several days, uh, that northwestern storm is going to try to cross the northern tier of states, but it's not going to be a very uh, big uh, precipitation maker and it's not going to last very long either it's going to kind of whisk across uh the northern part of the country during the next uh, several days uh with uh, the chances for moisture uh pretty uh pretty high in the delta but otherwise it's uh, not going to uh, be much of a uh, first full week of the of the uh, new year when it comes to actually having winter storm conditions just a a very um, chilly and a pretty dry pattern. And we're going to be watching this closely, talking a lot about this in the weeks ahead. Uh, there are a lot of dry areas as we start off the new year. We know that some areas of the country got some snow the last few days, but uh, was it enough to really make a big difference? You know, it really wasn't. I, I'm looking uh, right now uh, from uh, my uh, video that I produced uh, for today in our market weather outlook um, at the uh, water year precipitation percent of normal. Uh, it's, it's a real useful way of looking at uh, moisture uh, totals because the, the water year uh, is an actual measurement that uh, begins on October 1st and then runs through September 30th. And so what you get is, uh, is all four seasons uh, kind of encompassed in the same time frame. And uh, so that's a a very uh, useful benchmark uh, to look at uh, for precipitation. And since the 1st of October in the current water year, there's two areas in the continental U.S. where you've seen above normal uh, moisture really show up. And one is in uh, the state of Montana, pretty much uh, the the eastern three quarters of Montana, with anywhere from uh, about uh, 50% to over 100% above normal. So, uh, you know, it's been uh, pretty generous in Montana. And then in Virginia and North Carolina, along with South Florida, you've seen uh, precipitation about uh, 50% above normal. But otherwise, uh, there hasn't been very much. And in the, uh, in the Midwest, from southern Illinois, uh, eastward into Ohio, kind of along the Ohio River, anywhere from maybe you know, 10 to 25% above normal, that's about it. In the southern plains, right along the Kansas-Oklahoma line, 
There's been a stretch of a uh, quarter to uh, 25 to 50 percent above normal uh, precipitation. But otherwise, uh, there's a lot of uh, below normal uh, amounts. And in the northern plains, you've got a lot of North Dakota uh, where the precipitation has been uh, anywhere from uh, 25 to 50 percent below normal. And then, of course, the southwest is just continuing to be uh, very, very dry. But what this tells me is that uh, there has not been very much in the way of moisture so far in uh, this year when uh, in this uh, time frame when the uh, the uh, precipitation in terms of of actually adding water into uh, the the total uh, soil profile is uh, tallied up is that la nina related you know uh, there's a pretty good amount of it that is uh, especially in the southern plains uh, because we we have this uh, large stretch from uh, South Texas all the way to California, and then in uh, western Kansas and the Colorado, where the uh, moisture is uh, no more than about 10% of average, you know, like 90% below average. Uh, so there's been a lot of La Nina effect going on there. Uh, it gets a little more varied in the northern tier of states, and I'm still hoping uh, that uh, the late winter is going to be a little more generous in uh, places like North Dakota and northern Minnesota with uh, more of a uh, late winter storm track uh, because of La Nina. But uh, this uh, situation in the Southern Plains is uh, really quite troublesome. And uh, then that goes into the Western Midwest as well, where it's very dry. The drought monitor has severe to extreme drought in uh, Western Iowa and two parts of Eastern Nebraska. So there's, um, you know, definitely a, a, a higher chance that the crop year 2021 begins on a drier note in uh, especially the western half of the Midwest and much of the southern plains than uh, the prospect of catching up, if you will, when it comes to the overall precip. Certainly a story we'll be watching closely here in 2021. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, we're also watching closely the weather in South America. What's the latest there? Well, it's not looking uh, very promising for Brazil and Argentina by any means. Uh, first of all, the soil moisture situation is uh, highly variable in Brazil. There's been some improvement in uh, Mato Grosso do Sul and uh, uh, in parts of Paraná and uh, kind of that south-central part of Brazil. But over the remainder of, uh, of the major crop areas, there are quite a few areas where the soil moisture is still running at a deficit. In Argentina... Uh, just about every place except for the northeastern corner of Argentina is uh, running short to very short on soil moisture. The past weekend uh, saw some rainfall in central Brazil and Mato Grosso, but only scattered amounts of an inch or a little bit more, and that's about it. And Argentina had about the same type of uh, precip totals, so we're not looking at, at uh, you know real heavy rains over some of these key crop areas. And this next week, uh, it just stays uh, highly variable in Brazil. The southeastern part of the country, uh, where they grow a lot of coffee, uh, will get heavier rainfall of two to three inches. But in central Brazil, Mato Grosso, Mato Grosso do Sul, no more than about an inch, inch and a half of precip. And in Argentina, mostly a half an inch or less. So that is a real big concern 
when you think about how this uh, this mid to late season uh, pattern is going to develop over South America. What about some other key production areas around the globe? Uh, as we look at them, Bryce, from a weather perspective, are there some other weather challenges in those key areas? Well, right now in, in uh, South Russia, uh, that, uh, that part of the world, kind of between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, uh, where, you know, it's, uh, it's really quite a, a high-production uh, winter wheat area, uh, that part of the world went into the winter on a dry situation and uh, has not received a whole lot of moisture since. So for the uh, for the Russian wheat areas, I think that you have to uh, kind of lean a little bit uh, toward the um, toward the below normal track when it comes to uh, wintertime moisture. In uh, Europe, uh, they're going into the winter, or they went into the winter with uh, a an improved uh, soil moisture situation, and and uh, that's uh, pretty promising, especially in France and Germany and Poland. Uh, for their for their wheat areas, uh, as far as uh, the uh, situation in China is concerned, right now their their wintertime moisture has been uh, pretty much on par uh, with average. I know that uh, there's going to be a lot of interest in how the uh, the total crop acreage is in China this coming year, considering how how we're looking at a lot of demand in the grain markets right now. But uh, the the big area for for me, uh, is uh, what's happening in South Russia. And at this point, it doesn't look very promising uh, for a, uh, a moisture recovery uh, before the uh, winter wheat comes out of dormancy uh, later on in, in, at the end of winter and, say, in the month of March and then on into April. So that's a, that's a real uh, bullet point uh, for, um, for another part of the world in terms of its uh, moisture situation. Yeah, here we are, early January, kicking off a new year. We're talking about a weather market, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, we certainly are. It, it kicked into gear here in the U.S., of course, uh, in November when these uh, crop estimates uh, started coming uh, down uh, with kind of our triple uh, whammy that we had with the, uh, with the uh, drifting impact uh, in North Dakota, crop acreage back last spring. Then we had the derecho across Iowa. And then we had that late season drought, so we had uh, we had that get uh, everything kicked into gear, and now we continue on. Yep, we'll be talking a lot about it uh, with you as we go through this year. Thanks a lot, Bryce. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson joining us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. 
Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Corn futures are three to six cents higher in the first session of 2021 with volume concentrated in the nearby March contract. Corn futures posted the highest close of 2020 on December 31st. Support came from the news release out of Argentina suspending corn shipments until March 1st. USDA's weekly export sales report had corn bookings at 964,547 metric tons on the week ending 12 on the Board of Trade, March corn is trading six and a half cent higher at 4.90 and a half cent. The May contract up seven at 4.90 and a fraction. March soybeans trading 29 and a half cent higher at 13.40 and a half cent. The November contract up 30 and a half cent at 11.42 and a fraction. Chicago wheat March trading two and three quarters higher at 6.43 and a quarter. Kansas City wheat March up two at 6.05 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat March up six and three quarters at 606 and a quarter of a cent. Cattle futures on the Board of Trade today are trading lower. Hog futures are trading higher. This week's pork exports were a four-week low of 39,350 metric tons, bringing year-to-date exports to 1.9 million metric tons. On the Board of Trade, April lean hogs trading 87 cents higher at 73.12. The May contract up 77 at 77.50. April live cattle trading 55 cents lower at 118.70. The June contract down 27 at 114.42. March feeder cattle down $1.55 at 138.67. The April contract down $1.40 at 140.37. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 157 points. The NASDAQ composite down 4. The S&P 500 down 11. The U.S. dollar is trending lower. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Markets have been red hot. Let's talk with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. Arlen, good to talk with you. So now farmers are saying, how high could this go? Uh, let's, let's kind of start there. What's feeding into this market, and uh, what do you see driving it here for the first part of the year? 
I cannot overemphasize the contribution of money flow and momentum traders right now um, because of a, a surge in, unprecedented surge in M1 money supply of 60, 65 plus percent over the past year. The dollar breaking down over 12 percent from its March uh, levels uh, and commodity inflation being the talk. There are fundamentals beneath it which we'll talk about but that money flow changes the way that the market looks at it. And why is that important? That is important because that can flip very quickly, and so it's very risky. So when we say how high can it go, particularly soybeans are vulnerable to still going higher. A dollar higher, two dollars higher, three dollars higher. It all depends on what production numbers do in South America. Uh, Corn, we're assuming right now a tighter balance sheet than what the trade currently has in front of it. USDA is projecting 11.5% stocks to use ratio. The market is trading something closer to 9%. Will that happen? The market wants to believe it will happen, and so it is pricing that factor in, but we won't know for several months. There are no guarantees it will happen. So it is vulnerable right now. Can it go higher? Absolutely it can if, in fact, those fundamentals do develop, and that's a big unknown right now. What a switch. I mean, it wasn't that long ago farmers were saying, what do we do with all this grain? We're just kind of holding on to it and hoping that we get a little better price, uh, maybe not lose as much as we thought we were going to. Now they're saying, wish we had more to sell. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, unfortunately, that's the reality of farming in the cycles that we've been through over the years. The January 12th crop report is going to be critical. The market is pricing in expectations of tighter stocks. Uh, and so when you look at soybeans, you can make a strong argument for that. We're at a level now where it's so tight, it doesn't take much incremental change to justify much higher prices type of a scenario. And so a tighter stocks uh, situation could certainly be confirmed on January 12th. That would, be, that would seem to be what the greater odds are. No guarantees with USDA. They could surprise us with a bigger crop than what was expected. Uh, but when you go to corn, um, USDA is known for throwing curveballs in its quarterly stocks reports for corn. Will its production estimate go up or down? As a former agronomist, I expect it to go down a little bit more. We don't know that. What will happen with Chinese corn buying? As I talked to our people in Shanghai this morning, they're not, still not seeing any evidence that the Chinese Communist Party is going to lift the lid on corn imports. Corn is not contributing to food inflation right now in China. Uh, as you look at South American production, could we have a short crop? Absolutely. Our survey-based production estimates updated this morning by Stonex uh, in Brazil lowered its production estimate for soybeans just 1 million metric tons, a little over 1 million metric tons, to 132. Um, corn left unchanged at 109. There's still too much weather to happen yet to know what's going to happen there. So potential surprises could go either way on January 12th. That makes that a very pivotal day for these markets that are riding high on money flow and momentum right now. 
A lot of anticipation for that report uh, next week. We're talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. So farmers now looking at, do we go ahead and start locking in some prices for new crop? Uh, wh- what are you thinking? Well, certainly when you look at these prices, December of 21, corn 434 per bushel. Currently, if you look at November 21, soybeans 11, 29 and a half. Those are levels that we would have dreamed of a few months ago for being able to price in. So starting to incrementally sell has some common sense to it. Um, don't get caught up in, I have to get the top price. Look at it as a business. You want to protect the equity in your farm, and then you want to take advantage and build on that equity in your farm. But also remember that when crop prices go up, so do input prices. So look at both sides of the equation. If you're going to lock in some of your crop prices, look at what you can do to lock in some of your input prices as well, just as a business would do. You mentioned, Arlen, especially with South America, we don't know which way that crop could go. Right now there are weather concerns, obviously. It doesn't appear they're headed to any kind of a record crop by any means, but we'll see how that plays out. So when you look at at, at prices where they are now, and whether there's more downside risk or upside potential, I mean, if they do come back down, which obviously they will at some point, I mean, is there a likelihood they, they crash back down to levels they were before this rally started? Or do you see that if they coming down, they'd come down slowly? Or, or how low do you think they might go? I mean, uh, I just don't, it seems strange, hard to believe it's just going to, the scenario would flip so dramatically we would see this huge, complete, uh, you know, drop off in these prices all at once. What, what are you thinking? Well, I go back to the comment I started off with this morning, and that is the the role of money supply and momentum mm-hmm. traders. And uh, the momentum traders make up and the computers that uh, drive the trades on a minute-by-minute basis make up the majority of trade volume right now. They make their money when a market is heading in a particular direction. They don't care which direction. And so if the direction flips, They'll drive it in that direction. They'll drive it too far in both directions. They like a lot of volatility. And so when and if that time comes where momentum flips to the other way, I expect a radical, sharp drive to the downside. So far, it's been a buy-the-break market. But once the fundamentals start becoming a little bit clear and we actually flip the momen- that momentum, I do expect a sharp drive to the downside which will be too far. Having said that, as I look fundamentally at the soybeans uh, globally over the next year and a half, I see stocks remaining tight unless we get a bumper crop somewhere above trend yields on one side of the equator or the other to rebuild global supplies. So I do think that we're going to see a generally elevated soybean market above where we were previously over the next year and a half with more pricing opportunities. I cannot say that with corn. I can build a very bullish scenario with corn, and I can build a bearish scenario with corn. Obviously, if soybeans are elevated, that will have an effect on helping hold up corn. I'm just saying that corn is more vulnerable, so you have to be more careful with the corn market uh, and the swings and the opportunities that come your way. Yeah, very interesting. The outside forces and then, of course, the fundamentals. We look at all of this. Now, 
let's talk about China, uh, their purchases, uh, what they're seeing from South America, how that impacts their purchases. Yeah, there's a couple of cargoes currently on the docket to be filled with soybeans in Brazil, one in the northern port, I think one in the southern port here in late January. That's a little bit later than normal. Uh, does that mean that they will get filled? No, there's a big financial incentive uh, for uh, to have a couple boats be at those ports to get the first soybeans to come in. Um, and uh, so they'll be waiting for those first beans to load up. Our team in Brazil believes that the first cargoes will be loaded around February 1st. Um, so that's part of the unknown. That's part of the reason why we anticipate USDA having to raise its export target for U.S. soybeans a little bit more and further tighten supplies. And, and then how fast can Brazil ramp up the shipments of soybeans to China is going to be key in the weeks ahead. Uh, Lunar New Year holiday is probably going to shut down the crushers to a great extent in China. They didn't get much of a holiday last year because of COVID. So as I talked to our team there this morning, the expectation is China is just really going to shut down and celebrate this year. So that will reduce demand, and then we'll see a surge after that. How all that will play together, U.S. beans versus Brazil beans, is yet to be written, and why uh, we anticipate we're going to see Chinese buyers hedge their bets holding on to U.S. beans until they know that they have a Brazilian supply. Hmm. I would guess the calls you're getting uh, are a little different than they were six months ago, right? Well, they certainly are. We <laughs> did anticipate the Chinese demand to come in. What we didn't anticipate was that uh, we would see a, a shortened crop in the U.S. because of a dry finish, and then La Nina strengthened to the levels it did to strengthen uh, to threaten the South American supply. Uh, the demand in China, I think, has come back stronger than was anticipated uh, as they rebuilt their hog herds faster than expected with the, some of their hog factories that they've produced, all of it coming together to create a lot of excitement in the markets. It has been an amazing turnaround, that's for sure. All right, Arlen, we'll look forward to talking with you next week after that, uh, that big report, and uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about at that time for sure. Thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. You bet. Looking forward to it. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. A lot of focus will be on that January 12th report. Up next, an update on tax information, what you need to know here to kick off a new year. Ag CPA Paul Neifer joins us next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From 
From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel, such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, dizzy, or weak while using a generator, get to fresh air right away. From the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. The landscape of media has changed, and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Steve Sinsky, Chief Executive Officer of the American Soybean Association. Well, I know that you are pleased with the passage of the COVID relief package and what it contains for agriculture. Also, that, that omnibus bill. We were pleased with the agriculture-specific provisions that are included in the bill. I know that there were some more controversial things that were included in the omnibus that not everyone's in, in favor of, and, you know, they get presented as a package. But Certainly, as part of that total package, there was that COVID relief, and so we were very pleased to see that it's going to be additional support for crop producers, soybean producers included on that, $20 an acre payments. There's funding for broadband. There's making sure that there's enough funding for vaccine distribution, prioritizing the distribution to frontline foods, food industry workers, and that's been a priority and something that ASA has been urging. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. 
What kitchen gadget is so essential to food safety that no home should be without it? I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Toby Smithson. A food thermometer isn't just for meat and poultry. It will help you avoid food poisoning from egg dishes, casseroles, and leftovers by ensuring they're fully cooked by reaching a safe minimum internal temperature. Heat leftovers and casseroles to at least 165 degrees and egg dishes to at least 160 degrees. You'll find more food safety tips at homefoodsafety.org. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So we start the new year off with the uh, the hot market news, and that is... Uh, Wow, what a turnaround it has been the last part of 2020 and into 2021. A year, 2020, a year that had so much negative news, uh, we, and we didn't even see this good news coming, the turnaround in the markets. And uh, really, you think back to last summer, no one was really predicting this to happen. And now it's all turned around. The script has been flipped. And now we wait for that big report out next week and to see if that adds more fuel to the rally. Does it slow things down? It is just uh, everybody kind of hanging on here and uh, excited about what uh, is happening and wondering, you know, what do I sell? How much do I sell? When do I sell? So, so much of that uh, we'll be talking about here as we watch uh, starting off this year with all this, uh, the hot market rally. So we'll keep a close watch on that. We're also going to keep a close watch on all the changes in Washington, D.C. with the new administration settling in. Still waiting to see what the makeup of the Senate's going to be. So that's going to be a big part of it. But all the changes uh, at USDA will be watching these policy changes and where the Biden administration is going to go on these climate and environmental issues. And we'll also be watching closely what happens with taxes. And joining us now is Ag CPA Paul Niefer with Clifton Larson Allen. Paul, thank you for joining us from a tax standpoint what do folks need to be aware of and be reminded of as we kick off the new year well i think uh, mike i think the first thing is the fact that the uh the consolidated appropriation act or the ca is what we're calling it finally came out and let farmers know that if they got a ppp loan that those expenses related to that loan forgiveness is now 100 percent deductible uh, we, we thought for sure that was going to be the, the rule, but then the IRS came out, you know, back, I think, in November and sort of doubled down on their position. And finally, Congress got their act together and said, time out. Our original intent was this was legal double dipping. So uh, that's what the IRS was claiming. Hey, you can't double dip. Well, that was the intent of Congress. So I, I think that's uh, number one on my list. Number two on my list that I think for many farmers that have employees, a fair number of employees, and if they showed some type of reduction in gross revenues for the year, uh, that's the what we call the employee retention tax credit. That's a refundable credit. And that for 2021 can be 70% of employees' wages, even if they participate in the PPP program. So I, I think as we get more and more familiar with those rules, I just did a blog post on it yesterday that many people got today, and I'm going to update it because one of my examples was a little bit off, so I need to fix that. But I, I think that's really, you know, that's that's a big number. If Let's say a farm operation 
as long as they show that their revenues in the first or second quarter of 2021 is 20% lower than it was for the same quarter of 2019. And farmers have the ability to, you know, defer revenue if they need to. Um, they're essentially going to get a refund from Uncle Sam of 70% of the wage, cash wages that they pay to employees during that first and second quarter. So I think that could be a pretty big deal. Talking with Ag CPA Paul Neifer, what kind of questions are you getting? And, and other than these, what you just mentioned, what are you talking with uh, your clients about here in the new year? Well, I think what we're looking at uh, with uh, CFAP round number three coming on with corn prices, you know, we're already seeing $5 corn on futures. And of course, many farmers have bases higher than that. We're seeing beans in the 13. Is it going to go to 15? Uh, you know, we don't know that, uh, you know, the mindset for our farmers is rapidly changed in the last few months from being concerned about not concerned about tax taxes to really now being concerned about taxes. So that's what I'm starting to get some of from some, some, some of my farmers. Hey, we're, we're worried about having to pay taxes. So what can we do? So that's, and, and again, now that we're starting in 2021, we got plenty of time to plan for that accordingly. So, uh, uh, it, it's it's really Mike that change in mindset from mm -hmm. a you know we had six or seven years of not very good pricing now almost all farmers not all but you know a lot of them are really looking at hey maybe maybe this year is going to be a pretty good year yeah it's amazing how it's changed and flipped and I mentioned this earlier no one really saw this coming a few months ago but now here we are we do have as you said they have a little time but. Uh, they're, they're thinking differently now and asking different questions and also considering purchases and things like that. So there's a, the whole uh, scenario has changed. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely changed. Now, there are certainly some segments, you know, I think cattle producers maybe and some of the dairy guys are and maybe some of the hog producers really aren't, you know, you know, as good as they might have been. Uh, but certainly, uh, the corn, the soybean, the wheat growers, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I grew up on a wheat farm. Uh, I've seen the devastation that low wheat prices have done in the last few years to some of my clients and some of my friends and some of my relatives. So just this idea that, uh, you know, maybe we can get a really good year of pricing and lock in those prices. My concern is that, you know, when you have a rally like this, the, the, the rally up is sort of a stair step but then the drop is sort of a cliff. So, you know, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, as, as these prices start to go up, that you start locking in some of it, not all of it, but certainly start locking in some of those profits uh, that we haven't seen for three or yeah. four years. And certainly you're right. When we, we talk about hey, prices going up, for grain farmers, that's good, but we also point out and rem remember the livestock producers, when they're they're making those purchases, their input costs are higher. We certainly recognize that as well. Very, very quick, uh, should we watch for anything, any changes possible coming in estate taxes this year? I, I, I Well, we're going to know tomorrow. Uh, you know, if, if the election tomorrow in Georgia goes, both uh, senators being Democrats, there's a chance that we might get some estate tax changes, but I don't think they may be retroactive. Okay, we'll watch that closely. All right, thanks, Paul. Good to talk with you. You're welcome. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Ag CPA Paul Neifer with Clifton Larson Allen. That wraps it up for today. 
Wow, a lot going on. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on AOA. Have a great day, everyone. Stay safe. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.